And we're back on Ariva Martin in real time. Avi Bernard in for Ariva Martin today. And I am very grateful to be joined by some individuals who are in Hawaii, in Maui and in Oahu. Oahu, Dr. Allison Nugent, Associate Professor of Atmospheric Sciences at the University of Hawaii, Manoa, and Dr. Clay Trauernicht, Extension Specialist in Ecosystems and Fire at the Department of Natural Resources and Environmental Management at the University of Hawaii, Manoa, which is on Oahu. And Nick and Tiana Collins, small business owners of Shoots Wellness in Maui. Uh, I'm so grateful to have you all here. First, I want to start with you, Nick and Tiana. Just um, how are you doing? Um, wow, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty much a loaded question because uh, physically, we are we're great. Um, we are from, you know, from the west side, living over on the west side. Um, Hanuakwai, which is just north of Lahaina. So um, we were a part of kind of the uh, freeway, we call it the poly traffic um, when the fires were happening, knowing that, not knowing how serious they were, but um, we have landed safely on the North Shore and, um, you know, the whole family's together, which is, is the most important. Uh, so, so Nick, where were you when the fires uh, took place? Were, were, were both of you uh, in harm's way uh, as the fires were happening? So we were, um, we were right in the high um, When it happened, nobody had information. Right? So the cops were kind of blocking off certain pathways to kind of give you the safest route out. But no one was sure what was going on other than the high winds. So Tiana, myself, and uh, her mother, her mother-in-law, we're in the car, literally taking her to the airport. And we were about 45 minutes before um, the entire town front street engulfed. So had we been just a little bit later, we would have got caught up in that. We mazed our way up to the main highway, got out of Dodge. And from then, uh, we were not allowed to go back for another two, three days. Uh, with no information, no idea if our place made it or not, just... Uh, luckily, we had friends to crash with over those couple of days, but uh, that spot where we were completely burned down, front street. Yeah. When you say that spot to you were, do you mean that you're, you're home? No. So we were driving to the airport from our home, which is about okay. two miles north of Lahaina, but we okay. were going right through front street, um, which is the main hot zone uh, where all the property and life was lost. Uh, but we were 45 minutes before that spot engulfed. Luckily. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so do you know, I know, you, uh, Tiana, you said you landed safely on the North Shore. Do you, what is the status of, of your residence, of your, of your previous residence, where you were before the fires happened? So there's a strip just before, um, or just after Lahaina, Honokawai to Napili. And that strip features thousands and thousands of residents, um, a couple of micro communities. Immediately, that strip was left without power compromised water, zero communication, everyone's cell phone, red SOS. So um, we went back a few days later, everything was intact, no fire damage. However, uh, there was just no communication, everyone was in the dark, no water. So that's where the community kind of galvanized, came together, collected resources and began to uh, start the relief program prior to uh, FEMA or anybody else showing up. Wow. Wow. Well, I really appreciate you both being here. And I want to get up more into, um, you know, how, what's going on over there now um, in, in just a minute. But um, but first, I want to bring into the conversation uh, Dr. Clay Chowernick and uh, Dr. Allison Nugent, both with the University of Hawaii Manoa. So 
whichever one of you wants to take this one. Um, but first, uh, what's your best understanding as to how these uh, these wildfires started? Sure, maybe I'll jump in first. This is Allison, and I'll start with the weather side, and then Clay can pick up with with the fire side. Um, so this was a period where there was the tropical storm Dora or Hurricane Dora moving south of the islands at that time, and it's a little bit debatable as to whether or not the hurricane directly contributed to the winds. Certainly the hurricane environments led to stronger winds, but there were also other factors at play from a meteorological perspective. For example, um, downslope winds blowing down the lee side contributed to the high winds that were blowing during this time period. Also, the air was quite dry. So both of those things, high winds and low relative humidities, are a common thing that will set off what's called a red flag warning. And it was pretty well forecasted, well predicted. We, from the National Weather Service, knew that there would be these conditions well before it happened. Um, as much as three, four days, they were warning fire managers that red flag warning conditions would be in place. And and yeah, I'll I'll send it over to Clay next because I think that these weather conditions set up for the fire okay. to kick off as quickly as it did. Yeah, because Dr. Nugent, you're you're an atmospheric um, science uh, professor, and uh, Dr. Chowernick, you are uh, more of a fire expert. Um, so, how did Allison told us how this how this fire kind of got started? But what? Why do you, in your estimation, why do you think it was it was um, so extreme? Why do you think it 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 uh, the damage was was to the to level it it ended up being? Well, the the damage is because you had a fire that jumped from these fuels like the grasslands that surrounding uh, surrounding Lahaina or surrounded Lahaina, um, and then once it jumps into the buildings, you know that's kind of what led to the devastation and really the. The, the the event and the incident um, which your other guests were, were trapped in, unfortunately. I'm really sorry to hear that. I mean, it must have been um, pretty terrifying. And so you have this landscape around Lahaina, which is really sensitive to the weather conditions that uh, Allison was describing, where you just, it's all these lands that were actually formerly uh, under agricultural production. So this used to all be sugarcane up until about the late 90s. Um, and so once those sugarcane operations have pulled out, we've seen the same thing in, in, in central Maui as well, just re more recently. Once those sugarcane operations pull out, you get these non-native grasses that just fill in that landscape. They obtain like lots and lots of biomass, right? So there's all this, this material to burn. Um, and when they do ignite, and it's kind of important to understand like that freak, uh, ignitions are really frequent across the state, like about 1,800 to 1,000 per year. So um, I'm not sure whether the official word is out about how this started. It, it might have been a rekindle from an earlier fire earlier that day, but it's not really clear. But the, regardless of that, whatever started it, you have these fuels that are just kind of dried out and primed to burn. And when you get the wind conditions uh, and atmospheric conditions that Allison was describing, they, it, these fires burn incredibly explosively, incredibly fast. And this one in particular was too fast for the fire department to get in front of and between all that dry brush and then the homes um, kind of on the up, uphill side of the town. And so once that changes from grasses burning to buildings burning, 
um, you know, the fire department at that point, you have to remember as well, they're responding to a very large fire that's still burning uh, up, up country Maui, the other side of the island. And so their forces are probably spread pretty thin. Um, and it's an incredibly difficult situation at that point to, to put the fire out. So uh, Dr. Charnick, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Allison. Yeah, I was just going to jump back in and say that the the winds there there aren't good weather observations on that side of the island, but the winds were something like sixty to eighty mile per hour winds, so really really strong winds. And some of the videos are just horrifying with you know flames and embers going horizontally, and so so that's part of the reason why it spread quickly. And another another point that I think Clay probably would bring up is that a lot of times these types of fires are fought aerially through with helicopters, but under those kinds of wind conditions, you can't fight fires aerially. And so that was another issue that that compounded the disaster. So so while we're waiting official word, just uh, with both of your estimation, do you think that it, it was a combination of, of, of that, those hurricane, um, uh, hurricane style winds that really kind of made it uh, uncontainable? Yeah, yeah so. that and well, and also just very little preparedness um, for this this fire. So, you know, when you talk about all these elements that come together to make a fire happen, you know, the things that you can actually do be long before a fire happens is you can manage those fuels like so you can do you plant different kinds of plants, you can establish networks of fuel breaks, you can use irrigation, you can strategically manipulate that vegetation to make it less likely to burn and therefore provide a layer of protection between where your potential ignition sources are, which are often along roadsides, for example, and the, and the community, right? The, the thing that we're worried about most is, is people, right? Uh, and then the other thing is just hardening the homes. It's That's like the kind of fire, fire word for like the fire community word, where you sort of make your homes and the materials around your home less likely to burn. Um, and then the other thing is just that in the infrastructure within these communities, the way they're designed, as I'm sure your other guests can speak to, would make it very difficult to get out of the way of these things, right? So you think about the tsunami warning setups and what are your options? And there's literally pretty much one road that goes along the coast. I mean, there's a little bypass that goes above that, but you don't have a lot of options uh, once you're in an incident like that um, to get to get out of there. And so what we've seen, not so much that like, oh, we built this town into this really fire prone environment, actually through all of this kind of historical change in land use, the fire risk around Lahaina as well as many, many other towns in Hawaii, people are starting to look at the work that we've been doing on this is, are, are really uh, at high risk of fire because of those changes in land use. We're speaking to Dr. Clay Charnick and Dr. Allison Nugent of the University of Hawaii Manoa, which is on the island of Oahu. And we're speaking with Tiana and Nick Collins, who are small business owners of Shoots Wellness on the island of Maui. Uh, so uh, Nick and Tiana, Island, uh, I'm sorry, Nick and Tiana, I wanted to ask you, um, what's it been like? I, I, you talked about that day and uh, about you guys narrowly escaping, almost almost being caught up, um, driving your mother to the airport, and 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 barely barely kind of being out of the path of that fire. But uh, what was the rest of that day like, and and, and the days that followed? Uh, we can start off with divine timing i say that because the only reason why we were up was because we were trying to have breakfast in the morning with my mom before she left to go back to la 
And as we were driving down Front Street and showing kind of her all of the buildings and all of the you know businesses and the banyan tree, um, it's almost like the the last you know the last drive goodbye. We turned up Dickinson to get her to the the freeway, and that was the only street that you could kind of venture toward. Um, in order to get out of Lahaina, everything else was blocked off at that point. At that point. Correct. Um, I mean, crashing at friends' houses who <laughs> live near, you know, the beach, which brings you at least a little bit of peace, like, okay, there's clean air over here. We're safe and sound. The fact that we went back to go grab our dogs, you know, like all of these things to, you know, the family was together. Um, we didn't get home for another three days. So you could imagine how terrified I would be if things turned another way. So um, blessed and divine timing. You know, what about you, Dave? Uh, I'd say it's, it's, it's been great for us personally. A lot of people are in terrible situations. So luckily our business, which is our um, cafe and coffee shop survived. It's on a different side of the island. And, you know, everyone knows Maui depends on tourists. So without tourism, there's just no revenue. Uh, but we're in a position to help. So we can pretty much convert our menu into grabbing go wellness items to take to the people. So selfishly, you know, that's great for us. Um, it's just a little bit, it's just a little bit of, of what needs to be done to bring this place back or to bring it forward. But it's uh, what we can do. And so we're going to convert all, all of our uh, wellness products, our drinks and our coconuts and our sea moss gel and all of our cool things um, into small package items and take them back over to that community, to those people who are without power, without water, without communication. Um, and just do that as long as we can. Um, and once that runs out, we'll figure out something else. But we're gonna stay here and fight and hope bring it back. And this is only the beginning, so we're here for the long run. And, and can you just tell everyone what the name of your, your coffee shop is? Uh, Shoots Wellness, S-H-O-O-T-Z, Wellness. Shoots is like a local uh, Hawaiian kind of slang. Uh, you can look it up, but it has a bunch of positive meetings. And uh, what we're doing is bringing wellness products um, that we learned in Southern California uh, to this place. We're just hoping to make it, uh, you know, bring some wellness and put some smiles into people's faces by providing some nourishment and some nutrition. Shoots Wellness with a Z, S-H-O-O-T-Z, Wellness. <laughs> Uh, so, Tiana, you mentioned divine timing. That is just um, that is just a, such a such a terrifying story, especially with your mom in, in town. Uh, and, and what if her what if her flight would have been later? It just a little bit later, you know, just uh, unbelievable. Yes, um, you know, I mean, her neighbors. She was staying at an Airbnb. Her neighbors left it. Well, tried to leave a day later. So she also was on one of the last flights that was able to leave. Because the, of course, airport ended up shutting down and then they were using that as kind of like a relief space for people who they were, you know, bringing from the West Side. Um, I would like to say that the local efforts have been absolutely phenomenal. I feel um, very um, hopeful that the spirit of the people that are here on the island, um, of course, local vibes, like everyone is... Um, showing their resiliency, staying positive and, um, and supporting, you know, we call it Kapua and it's really about supporting, helping the community. You can read, you know, about people's stories 
um, online. Um, but the idea is to continue to help um, to help in any way that you can. You know, whether that is a good feeling and saying, hey, we send you guys good love, some prayers here and there, or if you guys can do, you know, monetary donations, or for us, it's about harvest, you know, fruit, vegetables. How are we going to nourish the people? How are we going to bring nurture and nutrients back into their spirit, into their soul, into their bodies, physically, uh, mentally, <laughs> emotionally too, because, you know, uh, this is tough. This is tough. Um, this will take some time uh, to get through, but uh, the vibe as a community is strong. Maui's strong. Um, Dr. Dr. Nugent, um, and then we'll go to you after afterwards, Clay, but uh, I want to get your, your thoughts on uh, what, what's it been like uh, on, on the neighbor, neighboring island of Oahu at, at the University of Hawaii, Manoa. Um, what's, what's, uh, it's, it's a different island. You, you all weren't in danger. Uh, what, what's been the vibe over there? Yeah, I think I personally have been feeling kind of kind of helpless. I've been hearing stories like like yours, and I just I wish that I could do more. Um, I think from a research perspective, there has been a lot of discussion of what can we do to you know either prevent this or make it better. So, for example, there were some emails this morning going around about needing air quality sensors, and can we put some together real fast? And so tomorrow I'll meet with some of my students to see if we can make some air quality sensors to send over to Maui. So there are a lot of ongoing efforts like that of like, okay, we need this. Can we do this now? Can we do this fast? Um, and at least it's you know, a way to help a little bit doing the best, <laughs> doing the best we can. When we come forward after this news traffic and sports update, uh, Dr. Clay Chowernick, I want to ask you the same question and also about um, the possibility of it happening again. Um, and I know that, that uh, Dr. Nugent, you have a, a, a couple of small children. So if you're able to stick around, that would be great. But if you have to go, I, I totally understand. Uh, we'll, we'll have, uh, we'll continue this conversation when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. We're back on Ariva Martin in real time, Avi Bernard in for Ariva Martin this evening, and we are joined by Nick and Tiana Collins, small business owners of Shoots Wellness on Maui, and Dr. Allison Nugent and Dr. Clay Trowernick of the University of Hawaii, Manoa. All right, Nick and Tiana, uh, if you can just walk us through, first of all, just how, uh, how, how it works in, in getting to certain places on Maui. Uh, and, and getting to um, to Lahaina and and, and, how, and the challenges that that has posed recently. So there's pretty much one way in and one way out. Uh, there is an alternative back road. Uh, might give you an extra hour, two hours. And if you're not familiar with the terrain, it's pretty unsafe. Uh, a lot of narrow one lane highways, a lot of sketchy turns and huge cliffs. So it's recommended to take the poly or the main highway. Well, when the entrance to that highway is blocked off through the fire and the fire is jumping over that poly, which is exactly what happened in Lahaina, there's, there's no way to get out. And a lot of people got caught. Um, I read reports that said, unless you went around the barriers, you weren't making it out of there. Uh, and those are, you know, accounts for people who, who made it out. So getting in is tough. It's already an hour plus drive from the airport. Um, into Kanapali, just past Lahaina. So if you're in a scramble and you got to get out of there and the place is on fire, you can imagine what that scene looked like. Car after car piled up, nowhere to go. A lot of people were forced to leave their vehicles and flee to the ocean, jump in the water. Uh, Coast Guard picked them up, local fishermen picked them up, but that was the scene. 
Um, so getting out of there that day or getting in there that day or the next day, impossible. Uh, luckily, um, the fire department acted pretty quick and the police department acted fast. And we were able to get back to our homes 72 hours later, uh, along with the rest of the army. And so um, just uh, I'm not sure if I have my Maui geography correctly. Lush side of the island is the west side, right? That's more of the desert side of the island it's today. Okay, it's it used to be lush side. back in the day, but yeah, it's more of okay. a desert hot zone with a lot of brush and a lot of fuel. Perfect for fire conditions. Okay. Okay. So when you when you travel the road to Hana, then you're going around and you're going uh, you're, you're going down and you're coming around on the on the west side, then right? No, you're going northeast to the road to Hana. So the entire opposite side of the island. Now we split up into two mountain ranges, two volcanoes, Volcanacle. Uh, so when you're going to Hana, you're going around the larger volcano, which is Haleakala. That's where the telescope is and the science center up top. So if you're over there, you were fine during these fires. The fires were on the more uh, arid side, which is Kanapali, Lahaina, and West Maui. Okay. Okay, got you. So, um, Dr. Dr. Uh, Trowernick, um, you, you mentioned that in the 90s that the sugarcane started to, to, to kind of go away and, um, and there started to be some non-native grasses um, being more prevalent there. Um, do you think, wh- why, did, why did this level of fire take so long to happen if that started to happen back in the 90s? And more importantly, do you think something like this could happen again? Well, we've seen repeated fires um, in Lahaina, around Lahaina, north of Lahaina, central Maui, in, in aftermath of this, all these um, plantations shutting down. So this has been happening. Uh, it's just that, again, the fire department is very good at response. And uh, Maui, all the actually, all of the county fire departments are really good at protecting homes, protecting people. And so it's very rare that we see homes lost and, you know, never have we seen the destruction that, that, that of this fire. And so, you know, it is really closely linked to this historical change in land use and the real classic example or not even classic. I mean, recent example of this is um, 2016, the uh, sugar plantations in central Maui shut down. So you had 36,000 acres all of a sudden are no longer being cultivated. Um, they fill in with these grasses that have been introduced within the past century or so from all over the world, mostly from Africa, but they're, they're very, uh, they grow very aggressively. And as I said, a lot, these big, big fuel loads and burn very hot and fast. And so in 2019, after the sugar plantation shut down, we had about, saw about 20,000 acres burn just in central Maui. Um, and so again, the relationship is pretty direct. Uh, and we, can point to lots of different projects, but, you know, agricultural production is one of these alternatives, right? So we we can point to lots of different strategies that you can use to reduce risk on these landscapes. Um, But the problem is uh, there's just nothing being done, no incentives to sort of force the the landowners that are sitting on these lands to actually take action. Uh, And so this is a similar story, lots of parts of the island. So West Oahu has the same history. West side of Kauai has the same history. Uh, Big Island, similar, similar thing. Lots of ranching operations that are now, they've shrunk over time just because it's hard to make a, make a buck uh, farming here and uh, mostly due to labor costs and all that. So, you know, you're just seeing the land use transform around our communities and all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but you know, shortly thereafter, this fire risk increases due to all these non-native grasses. So what what you you said that you know uh, some landowners are 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 slow to act. 
what what do you think that they could do in order to to help prevent this kind of thing from happening? Oh, there's a number of things kind of starting. The most basic would be in the networks of fire breaks where you sort of mowing or spraying these linear features uh, across the landscape. And these provide networks of opportunities for firefighters to get between the fire and the thing that's at risk, in this case, like the homes of Lahaina. Um, uh, you know, on the other side, foresters are trying to do that, like to, to block these fires from coming from these grasslands up into the forest. You know, the next level, you could be thinking about grazing, right? So there's lots of projects where people are cooperating with ranchers to get animals and do targeted grazing, strategic grazing. Then you get into cultivation, right? Or reforestation and where you're actually changing those grasses into something else. And I think it's really important for your listeners to understand that prior to the development of these agricultural operations, so you're going back into the 1800s um, when white folk first came to these islands and saw uh, the Hawaiians had developed these really sophisticated systems of wetland agriculture, you know, food forests where they're growing breadfruit and banana, uh, fish ponds. And so the historical records show that Lahaina itself was this amazing, like lush, productive landscape. Uh, and then the when the plantations came in, they're also diverting water away. Um, and now the big battle there is use of this water for, for development, right? So a lot of these corporations that were doing production on that, that large landscape scale are now in the business of um, home building and whatnot. And so again, what are you going to make more money doing subdivision development or, you know, farming and so I think that the answer is pretty clear on that one. So they chose development um, um, despite how it would affect the people of Hawaii. Um, so Dr. Nugent, before we got to let you go, um, is there anything that, that, that we haven't talked about that, that, that we should talk about that, that we haven't, that we haven't um, brought up that people need to know about? Yeah, I think that um, something that, that struck me as you said you know why hasn't this happened before and it has it has happened before um so there was a, a hurricane in 2018 called hurricane lane that caused a fire in almost the same exact place it, oftentimes it's always the lee side of the islands it was the same sort of strong winds and dry air down the lee side and as clay mentioned the the firefighters are really good at at managing them but i think in this situation with such strong winds that were were stronger than that 2018 event, it would have been nearly impossible to do anything. But I think there were warning warning signs there. It has happened before, and I think there were some some missed opportunities to to try to prevent this kind of thing that I hope will be taken more seriously in the future. Yeah, I, mean, I, I was meaning I was talking about more on this scale. Why ha why hasn't this happened uh, at this level yet? Yeah, okay, sure. um, but yeah, obviously, um, fires are, are a problem uh, on Maui and on other parts of other islands. But um, uh, Dr. Trowernick, anything else that 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 you think should, we should talk about before before you have to jump off? Uh, just that this was preventable. That's like the sort of most kind of heartbreaking part. And, um, you know, and there are people taking action. We just have to scale this up and really think about as a society, what are we investing in? Uh, and, and, you know, how do we, how do we, trans we can, we have the capacity to transform these landscapes to make them less likely for this thing to happen. We don't have to be at the mercy of these weather events. And we don't have to be put people in the situation um, that Nick and Tiana faced. So um, Nick and Tiana, uh, you're going to stick around and I want to ask you about what people can do to, to help. 
um, uh, your situation and, and for all those who are, who are most uh, affected uh, on Maui, um, Dr. Allison Nugent, Dr. Clay Trowernick, thank you so much for your time and for your expertise. Uh, really appreciate you. No Thanks problem. Take care. Take care. When we come forward, we are going to bring um, Nick and Tiana back and, and talk about um, what we can do to help. And also, uh, I, I want to ask you both, uh, we, we've heard a lot about those warning systems and how uh, they, they weren't alerted. Um, I want to ask uh, what, what your experience with that, with that was and, and whether you think that um, that, that could have helped if it had as, as residents of Maui. And we'll have that conversation when we come forward right here on KVLA Talk 1580. And we're back on Ariva Martin in real time. Avi Bernard in for Ariva Martin this evening. Uh, very grateful to be joined by uh, Nick and Tiana Collins, uh, small business owners of Shoots Wellness on the island of Maui. So before we uh, before we step aside, Dr. Clay Trowernick from the University of Hawaii Manoa was saying that he believed this was preventable. Um, uh, Nick and Tiana, whichever one of you wants to go first, you, you can both answer it if you want, but what, what are your thoughts about that? Was this preventable? Um, you know, in our experience being on the ground, I would lean toward to yes, it was, more, it was preventable as far as the, uh, the amount of life loss and property loss. Of course, you can't do anything about a fire that's raging with 80 mile per hour winds. I think the fire department did a great job responding. Um, However, if the winds are going to be like that and you know a hurricane's coming in, if um, the, the down power lines are the culprit, right? That's the word that a fallen power line sparked uh, a few sparks and the wind took it and that's what kind of uh, set the thing off. So if that wind is coming in, got a couple hours heads up before the hurricane gets there. I'm no expert, but if I was in position, I might say, let's cut the power to prevent that spark from happening. Um, outside of that, just getting rid of all that fuel, like the good doctor said, all that brush, all that, that invasive grass, getting that out of the way, any kind of old building or any kind of wood, any kind of fire fuel, just like California, same thing as up the five in the Central Valley, Central Coast. Uh, you gotta get rid of it. That's the only way to prevent, but that's from being on the ground, what do you think? It's interesting because, um, you know, there uh, a couple things happened, like, this was the trifecta of disasters. We not only have two large fires on opposite side of the island, one up country, one in Lahaina, but Dora's just off coast sending us what we thought were only going to be, you know, 50 to 60 mile an hour winds. By the time you see these, these videos, you're seeing power lines at, you know, angles touching down, breaking off, tapping down, you know, um, and that's because of 80 to 90 mile an hour gusts that were also lasting for very long periods of time. Um, and we've been around this type of wind, uh, the 50 to 60 gusts. I don't know what 90 feels like, um, but you could see it in the videos that it was pretty, pretty intense. So I was on Maui um, a couple of years ago, my wife and I, we, we actually stayed in Kapalua, which is north of Lahaina, I believe, not too far north. Um, and it's just it's just so sad that that this had to this had to happen at all. And that it, and that, you know, so many people are affected. And I believe there's between one thousand and eleven hundred people still missing. 
Um, death toll was at 115 uh, last I read earlier today. Uh, and, and one thing that I've been reading about and I want to ask you both about is the, the lack of, of warning from the, from the warning system. Um, you have supposedly one of the, the most advanced um, outdoor warning systems in the world, but um, they weren't activated. And uh, I, I wanted to ask you both um, what, your, what your experience was with that. Did, did they come on at all? Did they just, did they come on late? Uh, if they had come on earlier, would that have made a difference? You know, what are your thoughts? I believe it would have. Um, the warning siren is tested every month on the first of the month. We hear it. Everyone hears it. Uh, the tourists always ask what's going on. It's always the first of the month at the same time every month. Um, and that's for a reason. That's for when the thing really comes to make sure it's going to be working. For some reason, it wasn't. Um, the gentleman in charge was on a different island at a conference. Uh, it turns out that he's recently resigned. Uh, I'm not sure what his position was at that time, but uh, he did mention that had he um, pulled the siren, everybody would run towards the hills because that's what naturally the siren was intended for uh, in case there was like a flood or a hurricane. However, apparently there's more than one alert coming from that speaker. Um, so I believe if that siren went off right away, people would have had a chance to get out of their house, get in their cars and get out of Dodge. Um, as opposed to waiting until it's 80, 90 miles per hour and there's no chance of getting out. Yeah, uh, I actually, uh, I remember reporting on, on, on that, on that, that dude, uh, his name is Andaya, um, yeah. the head of Maui's emergency management agency. He resigned yeah. citing health reasons, but that was the day after he defended the silence of the island's siren system. Um, he was asked whether he regretted it, and he said, I do not, um, saying that he, as you said, Nick, that he worried that the alarms would have sent residents inland into the fire because they would have thought it was a tsunami warning or something. Um, and uh, State Senator Angus McKelvey, uh, who represents Lahaina and lost his home in the fires, he said that response was insulting and that they, they're not tsunami sirens, they're disaster sirens. So for all kinds of disasters. Um, so... Uh, we have a few minutes left. I want to make sure to to let people know what the best way to help is. Um, what 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 would you recommend that people both here in LA and, and people listening around the country uh, what they what they should do to help the the people of Maui? Uh, there's a number of things you can do. Um, if you're familiar with Katrina or California wildfires or any disaster we've had in America, the same organizations are on deck. Um, pick your favorite, but I would argue or I would recommend that you should look into some local organizations, any kind of local organizations that are using the term Maui Strong, um, and just pick one that you resonate with yourself. Uh, what we're doing, as mentioned previously, we're gathering a bunch of fruit donations from our community farmers and our community neighbors, processing those fruits into uh, drinks and bringing uh, delicious drinks over to the people that need it. If you want to help with that, once the neighbors' donations run out, we're going to head to the farmers' markets and head to Costco and get all the food we can get and uh, create this menu. If you want to help with that, you can Venmo Shoots Wellness, S-H-O-O-T-Z, Wellness. Um, or you can, like I said, look into any local organization. Is there one coming up? Um, I believe the one that's off my, the top of my head would be Mahina underscore Ohana underscore Venmo. These are 
Lahaina residents who lost everything, lost their homes. Um, we also know some people who um, are close and dear to us. So you can always reach out to you know either Nico or me, um, and we can always give back to the community um, in that way as well. Okay. Yeah, and I and I remember um, on a previous show um, shouting out uh, the Maui Strong Fund. As you said, um, Nick, anyone who uses the term Maui Strong, uh, that one's run by the Hawaii Community Foundation, hawaiicommunityfoundation.org, and also mauifoodbank.org is another one. So um, uh, is, if there's, is there anything that we haven't mentioned that, that we should, uh, that either, either of you want to, um, want to put out there? Um, you know, it's just uh, the first few days is kind of the honeymoon, honeymoon phase. Uh, the president was here a few days ago. He gave everybody 700 bucks and uh, gave his, uh, relating with the story of his also. So the governor is gone. He's gone. And now we're under the mayor's leadership. Um, who's still doing a great job, in our opinion, of uh, getting the word out and communicating. So all the local folks are following Mayor Vincent's leadership. And uh, I just want to reassure that guy that we're here for the long haul. Um, we're not uh, intending to flee and go anywhere and run. We're going to stay and fight and help bring this place back. I'll bring it back better. Um, it's going to be an all hands on deck kind of thing. So, like I said, this is just the beginning. I will share with you as we go more into this other ways your audience can help, other direct ways of uh, communication, of relief, give back for the communities affected. But we're going to wait to get the word from the top man, Mayor Bisson, first. Okay. Tiana, anything you want to add? I think the one thing I'd like to add um, from a wellness perspective and um, from just a person of the community who feels that loss on an emotional level, any type of, you know, prayers or good vibes that you want to send out this direction is always great too. Sometimes people think that it has to be in a form of physicality, but sometimes just knowing that we have support, that you continue to share this story and share our story with others. I think that's going to be um, also very helpful. So thank you so much, Avi. Well, absolutely. Thank you both for being here, especially with so much going on. You having to relocate uh, and, and, you know, all the things that you're doing for the community. Really appreciate both of you owners of Shoots Wellness. Make sure to check them out and uh, send them some, send them a donation if you can. Um, they're using it not only for themselves, but for the, the community of Maui and Lahaina. So uh, and we definitely will keep, um, keep the everyone apprised of any any developments if there's anything that you ever want to share with us going forward or um any you guys have an open invitation on the show so um just let us know and uh and, and thank you both for your time today really appreciate it thank you my man great job and uh, we'll be in touch soon aloha sounds good take care uh nick and tiana collins uh small business owners of shoots and wellness um, on the island of maui um make sure to check them out uh, i'm avi bernard and i'm gone